0: One of my sort of Achilles heels is that I'm a perfectionist and AI is really helping me out in, you know, creating perfection without investing that huge amounts of time that I used to do before.
1: Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Fallsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO, and therefore I need to learn from the best, and I want to take you with me on this journey.
0: Hi, my name is Piotr Staleski. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder of Ingrid. Uh, You're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Piotr. Thank you. Thanks for the for the effort around the pronunciation. I do my best. You have teach me a bit. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, better. We had our trouble scheduling this call because I had a bit of a sinus infection uh, the other week, but I'm back on track. So all good. And it's Friday now. Yeah, it's Friday. I deserve this Friday, honestly. And let's
1: jump straight into it then. First thing first, always, what does your company, Ingrid, do? Please do the elevator pitch.
0: Yeah, uh, Ingrid is a delivery experience platform. And why that is actually important is because we're in a bit of a paradigm shift right now where we're going from a pretty big macro trend called e-com or online retail into a macro trend we call delivery first retail. So being very delivery driven rather than being online as the sort of entry point. And um, in the middle of that, there are consumers that are very confused with all the noise it creates. There are uh, retailers that lack the knowledge and the capacity to be on top of all the fragmentation they have to handle. And there are carriers that are being uh, very inefficient and not sustainable. So uh, it calls for a platform. It calls for a solution that sort of makes everyday life simpler for consumers and for the online players out there that are trying to figure this out. So that's what Ingrid is. It's the platform in, in that, at that core of, of those three uh, players in the market. Who is the average buyer of Ingrid? Who is the persona? Well, the thing is like, you know, when you're a SaaS company, it's very clear who your buyer is uh, when you're a SaaS company and partly also a platform. Uh, so there is a differentiation in that. A platform is also, for example, like we are consumer facing at the same time. Our product is visual to consumer. So it's not that super clear but the money that comes into our account comes from the retailers from the merchants uh so we're selling our platform to them but we're also making sure that consumers uh feel that they can use it in the proper way which is partly the promise we make to retailers and is it the like coo operational manager who is like on the on the retail side the so it depend. It depends a bit because we're in the uh, trans, you know, delivery business. So there is delivery operations, but there is also revenue uh, generation and like customer acquisition, and we're impacting both. Uh, so sometimes we enter through delivery operations, which is maybe the logistics manager, someone that is more of the cost side. Uh, sometimes we enter through someone that is on the revenue side, like the marketing manager, the e-commerce manager, the uh, the CEO uh, so, so it, it, it depends a bit nice now I think
1: somebody that just listened to this understands way more about how and what and let's go into the why because I love to listen to stories so please can you tell me the story of why and how Ingrid started
0: yeah so Ingrid is um, started while I was building a company called Centra uh for those who don't know, Centra is one of the fastest growing e-com platforms in in let's say Europe at least. It's a very niche platform towards fashion-driven, design-driven brands, uh, which is the industry I originally come from. So uh, while building Centra, a lot of the work that we did and we tried to help these new retailers that, like, you know, fashion labels like lexington company or our legacy or uh or molly or like all these sort of brands that were on the central platform they were struggling a lot with the delivery experience being not that par not on par with the luxury brand they were trying to produce and that was like six seven years ago and i thought about it and like realized that this is not i mean the dhl and the Typical, you know, UPS delivery experience is not going to be here for long. It's going to be disrupted. This will be a huge industry. Probably this will be more important to consumers than payments. So set, you know, with that sort of epiphany that hey, what what if we take this and just scale this up 10x? Will that work for consumers? No. Will that work for retailers? No. Uh, Will it be managed by DHL and uh, UPS? Probably not there'll be a lot of different co- companies coming into the market let's be the platform that can actually facilitate that transition to a much more uh, consumer centric delivery experience and yeah so that's how we started building it it was sort of like a spin off from centra to begin with but then it ended up being its own company and i'm still um, part of centra and on the board but I, I left it operationally and then i you know i devoted my time fully to ingrid so
1: Thank you for sharing and uh, it's time to move on then to the first big topic of my two big topics. And first up for today is business development. And you can't have a SaaS podcast without talking about KPIs. So let's address them. Which top KPIs are the most important for you if you have to choose
0: just a few of them? And why have you chosen them? Yeah. So. Like I mentioned before, we're not just a pu- purely a SaaS company. So, so the typical sort of SaaS KPIs—I mean, they—we we track them daily. It's super important for us to to show that the SaaS side of our business is doing well and it's growing, which it, which it actually is. So, so we're super super proud of our numbers. We we grow, grew our SaaS business by six hundred and fifty percent during Q1. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> over last year. So. Uh, so that, that I mean, we take a lot of pride in the SaaS business metrics, but they're not as important to me as the cohorts uh, on the consumer side, and the sort of metrics that show our potential, our potential in the in disrupting the business model, going from purely SaaS to actually expanding to more of a marketplace business, uh, which involves, for example, that we have you know re- on a recurring basis we have five million Swedish individuals using Ingrid and uh, and checking out through the Ingrid platform. Uh, we have basically done 100 million transactions, like e-com sales transactions using our platform uh, or like enabled by our platform. So in that sort of data set, there is there are huge uh, indicators of of, you know, Network effects, indicators of potential new disruptive business models; those those are the KPIs that we're tracking, you know, on a strategic level. But obviously, we have a SaaS, you know, the the regular stack of SaaS metrics like ARR, customer acquisition costs, pipeline movements. But your north star metric
1: is then a specific one within the cohorts of end users.
0: Yeah. So the Nor- the north star metric that really, really drives our business is the number of joyful delivery experiences conducted on top of our platform. So, you know, people being happy about being able to get deliveries that simplify their life instead of co- making their life complicated with, you know, the all the noise you get in your inbox or the numerous text messages and the confusion and the different patterns you have to, you know, understand for all the carrier companies like defragmenting that and making it very useful for consumers that at the end you know of the day make them happy we want those transactions to be as many as possible and then the rest will be the rest will sort of follow that so so that is the number one metric the number of transactions and how good they are basically nice and then you had some other classics yeah so the classics are there because it's like i mean we have all of that impacts, you know, our ability to make money. So, um, and currently, our business model, our, you know, single and only business model for the moment is SaaS, which is we're charging the retailer money for our platform. And with the increase of the value of the platform, we can increase the the price. Yeah. But eventually, we will introduce new business models. Let's jump into
1: go-to-market strategies. Mm. I want to hear. Your best practices around that for a company that's been a startup but now moving towards a scale-up. What's your best input here?
0: First of all like uh, looking at like the sales motion so we're I mean we're an e-commerce enablement product so we're dependent on other platforms to be part of sort of the solution right so we're not a single solution product we cannot be introduced in the void and solve problems we have to be integrated with other platforms which means that a big part of our uh, distribution channel or the rails for our distribution is based off partnerships and there are multiple types of partnership categories one is you know platform partnerships we're partners with uh, like I mentioned Centra obviously which is you know part of my background but we have really great partnerships with Norse with uh, you know Magento with uh, we're working on our partnership with Shopify, like, you know, so those are the, th- those are super important for like, in, you know, enabling the distribution. Uh, then these platforms and these custom, the the, mer- the retailers usually have a partner that are, there is like a solution partner, someone that would stitch everything together, uh, deliver it. Uh, so these solution partners are like both boutique agencies and uh engineering consulting companies that are sort of partnering with with the platforms like us to deliver it. So those are super important. Then on top of that, we do a lot of like content marketing where this space is still very uh, unclear to retailers. There are very, very few specialists, uh, a lot of people looking for answers. So content is a very strong way to cut through the noise and to create some interest so we generate uh a, we have a you know we have we a have strong content generation on our team we, ha- we have a lot of expertise that we share further down in the pipeline obviously you know content is building the brand it's building um, the and partly building the leads but we have an account-based marketing and an account-based sales strategy underneath that uh, a lot of our outbound today is you know because since we're enterprise merchant retailer focused a lot of the outbound is by you know personal network rather than uh cold you know cold emails and cold calling I'm sorry to say that on this on this show uh we'll we'll get there sooner or later but right now it's more like you know trying to build a a position in the market where we can be like good advisors to retailers and then build sort of a relationship around that and then finally uh, get to a deal. So the deals take the deal cycles are super long, but they're quite big. So for the most part, I, w- I don't want to disclose too big numbers, but like, you know, we have average deals of like 200,000 euros a year. Every now and then we have, you know, every month we have a bunch of these, you know, pretty big deals. So Big enterprise deals. We can stop with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. What I heard it. Is... Start with the right integrated partnership, because you can't at least initially be sold in a a void, solution partners, and then educate the market with content generation to share relevant expertise, and on top of that, account-based marketing and classical account-based sales with longer cycles and, yeah,
0: bigger ticket sizes. Yeah, you summed it up pretty much uh, perfectly, yeah. There's no voodoo or magic in that. It's uh, classic, but uh, it works. If you then look back, what mistakes do you see with your
1: go-to-market strategy that you now, when you are a bit wiser, mm-hmm. wish you would have? Ah, oh, not that.
0: Yeah, I have an. I have one, but it, the jury's still out, right? So I don't know if it's if it's bad or uh, good or bad. Uh, depending on who you ask and where you get your advice, it's good uh, or bad. So uh, so the thing is, like, and like I mentioned, we, we're not just a SaaS company. We're trying to build a market platform with a, a strategic market position. So what we did from the beginning was to focus entirely on, on the Nordics and Sweden mo- mostly, because that would create a lot of density around the consumer base. So basically accelerating our ability to become a platform. Uh, required focusing geographically um, now a lot of you know investors that we talk to because we're dependent on you know external investors they see a risk in our platform not being you know showing that it can scale in other countries although we do our transactions go to other countries because our Swedish retailers are international uh, it's still that we haven't been able to show like how strong we are in a new market so thats from you know an investment standpoint it bites us in the ass but from a uh, vision standpoint it proves the the platform position right yeah. so uh, we don't know what should have been prioritized when uh, we did prioritize the market position so so the jury is still out and uh, we
1: will see how the upcoming years uh, goes then yeah I'll, I'll i'll ping you when i know nice thank you great insights and Last topic around business development. Yeah. You mentioned it regarding cold outreach. It's my VAM-oriented question. I'm building a sales tool with Vidja as a core. So I want to know, uh, how would you like to get approached? If, if a salesperson listen to this and mm. like, okay, I'm going to reach out now to this cool founder. Mm.
0: How would you like to be approached in a modern way if you don't know that person? I'm a sucker for like third-party validation. So if you could get someone that I trust to tell me to get in to pick up the phone when you call, that would be number one, right? Um, uh, so so that would be really number one. Uh, then if you're sending me an email or a, or a video call, it it really it it really has to be down to the point. I don't I I'm I don't know if I'm, I'm too smart or been through too many things but i don't like the introduction like don't no no highs and no hellos no you know all that sort of intro is just really uh um in my case really counterproductive just to get <laughs> to the the three fast bullets that i need to sort of analyze uh that would work for me uh and the shorter the email the and the more bullet format it is the the better you're going to catch my attention at least and then i I don't really buy into this like uh, I see through the, the like uh, mm, the quirkiness if someone has like is pushing like you know titles that are super quirky or trying to make it super fun or like gifts or stuff I just get so many of them it just gets boring. I just wanted the, the, the super dry very to the point. Uh, don't ask me questions. Uh, tell me uh, exactly what you think you can do for me. And don't 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 ask for a call to to ask questions. I know it's part of the sales playbook to ask questions, but with me, you're not asking questions. You're telling me stuff I don't know and should know, and then then I can be uh, then I can jump on a call. And there's so much information out there. You don't have to ask me like if you know how many people work in your organization or uh, what's your what's the size of your sales team or all these like stuff. It's just like it's there. You should. Don't ask me those questions. Like you, it, I'm not gonna do your job trying to find that out. Like you know, a lot of interesting data points here.
1: Let's talk about mistakes then. And now, not just go-to-market mistake, biggest mistakes. What would you say is one of the biggest mistakes you have ever made in business that you now feel comfortable to share?
0: Yeah. So one of them is that hiring two senior people too early. Did that once, Uh, did not work. Was really. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to sort of skip three years of development by hiring really senior people puts a lot of. um, weird expectations on yourself and where you are and like how things are going to work out and etc. So that, that was one of the things. And then the other thing is the flip side of that same coin is that hiring too junior, too late. <laughs> um, so again, you know, coming to a point where a company is like, you know, 50, 60 people, you need, you need to, you need to, you have a deficit in in the number of people that have been managers before, if you're all, all of you, all of you that started were just you know junior when you came in, and you're trying to build some sort of culture and organizational structure of people that may might not have done that before, uh, it just gets a bit of a mishmash. Uh, so you need to know when to hire senior people that would sort of help you tidy it up and you know organize it and build processes and stuff. So. So I did that. I mean, I've, I've both done it too early and too late. <laughs> in different
1: uh, companies?
0: Uh, no, I think I've done it all the way through in all companies, but keep repeating the same uh, problem.
1: And now it's time for a topic of your choice. And the only thing here, the only like walls in this... Don't t- talk about AI. <laughs> you can talk about AI, but you need to be nerdy and passionate about this.
0: I've... I've, I'm a very avid user of certain AI platforms that are, you know, out there now. So you probably know uh, all of them by name. I, I, I'm passionate about finding a way to reduce to re- reduce the number of hours I spend on quality because I'm like uh, one of my sort of Achilles' heels is that I'm a perfectionist, and uh, AI is really helping me out in. You know, creating perfection without investing that huge amounts of time that I used to do before. So, so it's like a, that is also a little bit of a passion to re redesign my personal operating model to use as much AI as possible to achieve high quality without the big time investment. And you are happy with the results, and from your perspective, it's it's high quality, at least. Okay, from from where, from you have to know how to use it to get quality. So that's like, that's one part of it, but I like the way it structures information. It really fits my type of thinking. So we're like, you know, chat GPT, uh, four and I are a bit of buddies because we like bullet lists. We, we like to, you know, contextualize and then fill up with the bullets, you know, numbered, uh, come to a conclusion. Like we think alike, uh, in in a lot of (laughs) aspects so I'm like I'm feeling at home in in that type of information structure and I feel that that's high quality most of the most of the time it's really high quality I mean chat GPT-4 is like I I, I get so uh, I get like this freaking you know uh, vertigo feeling every day about like how smart that thing is
1: thank you for sharing about your topic and it's time for an external question from a listener mm. uh, because i don't just want to be me shooting questions i want to highlight and lift up other people from our sauce community and it's time for charlotte at we and this is her question hi pjotr this is charlotte from we my question is this what does your process look like to develop an um, B two B SaaS platform idea that no one has done before, and how do you ensure that your competitors can't copy it and do it better?
0: Yeah, my my approach to that is that I've always taken on taken on huge hairy problems (laughs) uh, that nobody wants to do. So uh, (laughs) to begin with, um, no, but I mean, if the product, if if you're building for a very very complex industry. Like, for example, the, the delivery space where there's like 400 different carrier companies that you have to integrate. Uh, there are archaic technologies under the hood that you have to just accept that they're going to be you know, part of your platform. Um, and where they're you know, probably the incumbents are 20, 30 year old companies uh, or even older, uh, it's kind of easy to, to leapfrog um and then in such a space where it's high complexity there are so many ways to solve the problem so it's not necessarily just one way which will be copied it could be you know millions of ways so uh maybe i'm like uh i'm too cocky now but i I, if if i would if i would be a competitor i would just not copy ingrid i would like rethink it a little bit more like there's you know there's so much to improve that we don't you don't even have to copy each other but we've been copied so and, and that did not uh, impact us that much so because it's like you can copy maybe you know you can copy the ui you can copy some of the interaction like what the consumer sees but then it's sort of like there's there's like a pyramid of shit underneath that you just have to also do and it it will slow you down as everyone else so yeah i don't uh, as long as as long as we have like a nimble fast product development and we're not grinding to the stop then i'm not afraid that you know we will be copied you know it's it's mostly up to us you know like how fast we can go with product development that that's the only thing so thanks for the input and charlotte
1: thank you for the question and it's time for leadership first thing here is always this straight shooting one it's hard for you to answer but yeah it's icebreaker are you a good leader
0: um some people say that i am some people say that i'm not i know one thing i'm pretty good at being the preacher so when i get the mic and i get to speak i'm pretty good at that i can i can preach to a team and people get hyped up and Maybe I do that in fr- not frequently enough, which would be uh, make me a much better leader. I'm a good, you know, storyteller, and I get I'm good at trailblazing. So, if you know if nobody is if everyone is afraid of doing something, I'm usually the one that could go in and just start doing it, and then people will follow. So, so pretty good at getting stuff off the ground, um, and I think I give people freedom to to do their thing but I am I suck at follow-up <laughs> so I'm like I'm not the manager that would be like yeah so what we agreed last week how's that going you know uh, can you update me or you know I, I, yeah That that is that is sort of like not where that's not my type of leadership but I'm also I heard from my colleagues that I'm like more of a servant leader so Usually, if something is not done, I'll do it myself. I'm not you know, asking people to do it. So, uh, and I'm always like, trying to make uh, to keep people happy rather than, uh, than challenging them to do a better job. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good leader. I mean, it depends on who you are, right? In that mix. Makes- exactly. And I, I just asked this to
1: get the talk going because I have a follow up question here. And, uh, and this is superpowers. So if we dive a bit deeper in what you see as your superpowers, what is top two to three superpowers?
0: Uh, I think I have one uh, one superpower that is now being uh, a bit outcompeted by by uh, or, or ChatGPT, but uh, the ability to sort of connect the dots across a lot of different areas into um, into one compelling story, like. For example, like, you know, when we started Ingrid, we we early on, and and I was early on talking about the delivery first era before, you know, everyone was ordering food uh, all the time online. Like there was way, way before that, actually that sort of type of delivery, you know, chaos that we have now was existing. There were no Budbies and Instaboxes when I started talking about delivery first retail. And... Then, sort of getting it connected to technology, and then maybe looking a bit at Klarna and seeing, oh, there's a checkout strategy where you sort of build a component that you just insert into the retailer's website that just takes care of everything. Then taking a bit of that and taking a bit of that and out, you know, outcomes Ingrid, and then I can actually explain to people like why this is going to be important. So that is my uh, superpower. And the other one, um, the other one is that is both a superpower and Achilles heel it's that I'm a perfectionist so uh, I get slowed down by being a perfectionist but I also have really really high standards which is why for example Ingrid has a great brand comparing to competitors in the space (laughs) Uh, we didn't settle for less like we always kept like no it has to be better it has to be better it has to be this is not good enough like and I'm sort of the person that can have like a meeting with a merchant that is like super small, maybe like a one man store, but I can work the whole night just to perfect the deck. <laughs> so stupid, but maybe not, <laughs> uh, but, but maybe sometimes it has br- brought a lot of value. So Can you share an odd thing you are
1: doing or a leader above you in the past have done that seemed quite strange or very strange but now when you look back at it it actually had a great amount of impact something odd here
0: yeah like you've probably seen in this call i'm very open and very transparent about my shortcomings right <laughs> um and i it's a thing i do and it's just wor- is very comfortable for me to do and makes the energy in meetings with people usually much better is that I just really upfront, super upfront with um, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. I uh, try to be very self aware and very transparent with that and also about like, you know, what our company, where our company is lacking, where it's not lacking, what it's good and not that, you know, like I'm really upfront with that. People get usually a bit uh, intimidated with the full transparency. <laughs> But in like interviews or, you know, meeting with advisors, or like it's always worked very well. I, I feel at least really good when I'm walking away from that meeting that there was no game and we did not, not, you know, I did not have to play a role that I did not be, was not able to carry. So I get the feedback that I'm too transparent. Our investors think that we downplay ourselves very easily uh, in meetings uh, that we're, you know, but that's, that's a bit how I am. And, um, I get it's not to get sympathy it's just to be sort of leveling out the the tension or you know the expectations or something like that so but i think it's honestly i think it's smart because it attracts problem solvers people that be like oh wait wait i can actually you know that problem you know that is easy to fix i know how to fix that and people get like triggered and happy about you know being able to pitch in and usually that starts a really good discussion like early on and uh, instead of being like i've been with other leaders where there's you know power play you know yada yada. i'm not like that so
1: yeah and i would say that is an odd thing and a powerful thing i agree is too because uh, people are not quite used to it and uh, now we're coming to a really transparent topic bad things <laughs> Worse things because everything as a leader isn't obviously not happy clappy no. What is the worst things according to you, and how do you tackle it?
0: The worst thing about being a leader, uh, at least if you're uh, an entrepreneur and a founder, is that in every situation, whether you're like you know putting in the dishwasher or you're even talking to your kids or. You're putting in laundry in the laundromat or whatnot, you know, you, you think about the problems <laughs> you have, <laughs> you just keep, it just keeps being there that we should fix that, that should be fixed. Uh, and and you and you're just think about like, things just get really blown sometimes out of proportion in your head, like some detail becomes something that just, just keeps being on your mind for like weeks and weeks. So your mind never rests. And it's sometimes really hard to even like you know some people just watch a, a, a some sort of uh, Netflix uh, series or something. I can't do that because I get like restless that I'm still, like I have to like my mind just deviates to thinking about issues I have to solve all the time, and it's it, it consumes shitloads of calories, and your your brain is just on full on all the time. That's the hard thing about. Leading a a startup, I think. Then we sum this up with one last thing here. And then
1: we have the wrap up and then we are done. If you need and have to summarize leadership from your point of view with one word, what would that be? Vision. There we have it. Leadership is all about vision. And we are entering the roundup. Only three questions left. And the first thing here, wish to... Other B two B saw CEOs, do you think are interesting, doing great stuff, and would like to listen to in B two B saw
0: CEOs? If I would interview them, yeah. The fun part is that I was thinking about this, and I I'm not the guy that has been hanging out in the industry that much. I know very few people. <laughs> uh, weirdly enough, I'm like head down in, in what I do, but uh, the and I there's one I really want to have on the show, that's for sure. But I did not, did not come up with another one. And I, I would I... go with one then. <laughs> and that's Martin Jensen, who's the CEO of Centra. And that sounds like I'm doing like, you know, <laughs> self-promotion here, but I think uh, that guy has a lot of interesting things to say. Super structured, both the entrepreneurial mindset and been through, uh, you know, many years of startup grind, uh, but at the same time, a background from McKinsey. So if you want some structured answers, you're going to get a lot of structured answers.
1: Thank you for the name. I will shake Martin Jensen out. And second last question. If you would give yourself, your younger self, think five or ten years back, top one to three things to think of
0: that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? It sums up what we've been talking about here. So trust yourself, number one. Uh, I should have trusted myself many more times than I've done before, than I've done in the past. And not seek consensus. I mean, it's consensus is a good thing, but I've just realized it's not that uh, good. It, there are better things than consensus. Seek more friction, because I've been like very, you know, uh, avoiding friction for so many years and just, you know, keeping every, everyone happy. Friction is a good thing. It's optimization and being able to like handle friction, thats that would be good uh, and be more decisive and assertive and just, you know, over, sometimes I overanalyze, although an- analysis is really my strong side. So I use that maybe too much, but it's like, it's, it's served me well, but it's too much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, last
1: question then, where will Ingrid be in five years?
0: In five years? I think Ingrid will be uh, globally a number one platform uh, simplifying consumer, simplifying like the life for consumers when they shop generally anywhere Uh, and it's going to be a brand next to brands like PayPal, uh, Shopify, Amazon uh, that are sort of the top 10 brands of the e-com space that consumers rely on every day in, in their shopping experiences and it's going to be a, a platform that just changes the industry makes it more sustainable makes all retailers more efficient carrier companies more efficient but most of all makes you know consumers really happy about you know shopping online and not and not have to deal you know not have to deal with the the hassle of everything that is currently like on their plate if we're talking revenue or users do you have any vision there yeah in five years i would not be surprised if we were at like 100 million dollars in revenues uh recurring basis and i wish
1: you the best of luck with that and now i'm shifting quickly the focus to you has been listening two quick ones number one tell a friend or a colleague to listen to Piotr in b2b sasio's And press the subscription button. We have great guests here coming up every week. And Piotr, a huge, huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning.
0: Thank you.